1: Action fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain, and joining me, as always, my co host and colleague, Chad Cruz. Chad, welcome back.
2: Thank you. For the first time, we're all talking together tonight. For the very first time.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Of course. And uh, the real Todd Gaines is back with us as well for this episode. Todd, how's it going? Man, it's going great.
0: I'm excited to get into this podcast. So let's not waste any more time, Chris.
1: Yeah. Damn. I'm I'm starting to feel like that we better. But uh, before we do, I do want to talk about our next podcast, which is coming up on July the 21st. We are dedicating it to Arnold Schwarzenegger in honor of his birthday uh, later this month. And we are going to ask you, the listeners, and our followers on social media to help us shape that show because we want your personal top five Arnold movies. And then we will compile all of those and come up with a master list and do an Arnold Schwarzenegger countdown right here on July 21st. It is our Arnold challenge and you can do, uh, you can participate by hitting us up on Twitter at BulletproofPod and on Instagram and Facebook at Bulletproof Action. Just give us your top five. You'll see the post. You could just reply to the posts. And uh, I'm excited about this because Arnold, he deserves it, Chad.
2: Oh, yeah. And I think that he's going to be excited to to hear what we come up with uh, or what the what the fans come up with. And did you know this, Brain? So we have the Arnold Classic here in Columbus. And uh, I, I've gone to it a couple of times and – I couldn't tell you how many people stop me in the street and think that I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Isn't that crazy?
1: It is crazy. And Can I don't you, believe
2: you believe
1: that? Are they blind?
2: <laughs> huh? I don't know. I never, I never asked that question.
1: Are they blind? Or are they on some sort of hallucinogen or that's, that's uh, other possible other drug?
2: And that's yeah, possible. and you, you
1: mentioned the uh, Arnold Classic that got canceled this year, but the Arnold Challenge will not get yes. canceled. We are going to go on. Yes. Again, that's July the 21st. Hit us up, social media, Bulletproof Pod on Twitter, Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook. But now, guys, it's Christmas in July on this episode because we are going to be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Die Hard 2, which was released on July 3rd, 1990, and that's actually a little peek behind the curtain when we are recording right now. So it is Die Hard 2's 30th anniversary right now directed by rennie harlan and uh where sequels are concerned this is one of the best action sequels of all time i I don't think i i'm exaggerating when i say that
2: no i think it's it's one of the better action sequels that follows a really good action movie because when it comes to you know movies like die hard or like the terminator stuff like that it's really really hard to follow that up and i think that die hard 2 it made way more money for one but it it uh, it upped the ante when it came to the action, when it came to, you know, the amount of abuse that John McClane takes, and and it, you know, it propels his character forward a little bit too, because you get to learn more more about him, more about him and his his wife's relationship and all that business. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's a phenomenal movie. It'd been several years since I'd watched the whole thing, and I was pretty pumped by it.
1: And it, it seems fair too that Die Hard is the first movie that gets to rip off Die Hard because obviously uh, a number of other movies have done that uh, since then. And uh, you know, it's, it's just fair that John McClane got to be the first one in a uh, diehard like scenario for the second time.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, it's always um, wrong guy, wrong place, wrong time, man. I mean, how many movies we've we seen like that? Um, Too many to count, I'm sure. We Not have Die, mouth. Hard, on, yeah. Yeah, die hard on a on a Die Hard on a bus, Speed, Die Hard on a boat, uh, Under Siege, Die Hard on a train, Under Siege Two. You know, Die Hard on a skyscraper. Another one would be Skyscraper with Anna Nicole Smith. So, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, uh, Rennie Harlan would direct uh, a Die Hard ripoff as well. Die Hard on a mountain.
0: Die Hard, cl- oh cliffhanger, cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Maybe Rennie Harlan's um, definitely one of his be- better films because you know Rennie Harlan is from Finland. Okay. And so, all right. Fi- what does that have to is... do with anything? Okay. Uh, uh, it has a lot <laughs> actually because like Finland is not really known for filmmaking at all. I mean, there's there's some film in, in Finland, but it's like. On his, like, biographies, like, he's the greatest filmmaker from Finland. Well, that's not really that hard. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of cool people from Finland. I actually know some people from Finland. They kind of, like, kind of educated me, like, on Finnish film.
2: Okay, here we go. They,
0: they kind of have, like, the same actors and just a, a couple directors. And so it's over and over and over. So for him to uh, come out of that, to have the success that he had, I would say, early in his career, because now, I mean, Rennie Harlan's almost a... You hear that name and you just kind of laugh. Some people do. I mean, some people don't appreciate Rennie Harlan anymore. They could look at his uh, work he's done in recent and say, eh. But you can't. No denying about Die Hard 2. No denying about Cliffhanger. Uh, you know, guys, it was the adventures of Ford Fairlane that got him this job for Die Hard 2. And Ford Fairlane, I believe, went to sweep the Oscars.
1: No, excuse me, the Razzies. So there you go. I've got to say that you know Rennie Harlan is the best director from Finland like uh, Todd Gaines is the best bulletproof action writer from uh Georgia so oh, oh yeah no doubt I there mean, you go I mean,
0: yeah no doubt and we have a lot of uh fans from Finland so there's no no offense to anyone from Finland that but it's just not a lot of movies. it's kind of like you know McDonald's is not known for their spaghetti they're known for their hamburgers even though they sold some spaghetti sometime at McDonald's like back in the day so Finland's just not really known for a
1: lot of movies. But I thought we were going to be talking about Mixed Spaghetti uh when we yeah. started this. Uh, no, it, I probably, if you I had probably mixed, wouldn't have hit start record. I, that's, if that's you had
0: right. Mixed Spaghetti in your What Would We Talk About in the Bulletproof Action uh, podcast uh poll tonight, you would have won big.
1: All right. Well, we all won big on uh, July 3rd, 1991. Die Hard 2 hit theaters. And the movie gets started. John McClane instantly having a bad day. Uh, He's there. He's at the uh, Dulles International Airport to pick up his wife. He's in Washington, D.C. with the in-laws to celebrate Christmas. Has to pick up his wife. And uh, things get off to a rocky start, Todd. Yeah. um, Well, first of all, let's think. He's in Washington,
0: D.C. with his in-laws. So, I mean... I'm not sure how many people have great relationships with their in-laws. I'm sure, you know, but I mean, so right there, that's, that's strike one. Okay. So strike two, he's in a crowded, um, he's got at a crowded airport and he's about to pick up his wife, but his car's getting towed. So strike two and then strike three, he tries to get out of the the ticket or the tow. And you have a Washington DC policeman who, eh, doesn't give a shit that he's a, a hot shot cop or John tells him he's a cop from uh, LA used to be a cop from New York. And this cop was like, he just looks like he's looking for his next meal. So he, he instantly just strikes out one, two strike one, strike two, strike three. And the movie just starts off with a uh, John having a lot of bad luck.
1: And then from there, we get introduced to two of our villains. We first see uh, Colonel Stewart played by William Sadler. He's doing naked Tai Chi in his hotel room while watching a news report from Valverde on General Esperanza, who is played by Franco Nero. Chad Cruz, I gotta ask the question people are dying to know. Yes. Have you ever done Naked Tai Chi?
2: I have actually done that in Valverde. Oh. Yeah. It was a it was a park, like a lesson in the park. Free classes. And I, I will say that Colonel Stewart's introduction it, it, it shows a few things, right? He's a little crazy. Um, he is extremely disciplined. Like we get to see him like lay his clothes out and not a hair is out of place. Um, he doesn't, to me, it's like, he's not wearing clothes because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to wrinkle them. You know what I mean? And he's multitasking. So he's like, he's doing his exercises and his body conditioning. And he's also listening to news reports, news reports that will help him, you know, throughout the film. So, say what you will about naked Tai Chi while watching the news, it works out pretty well for him until he meets one John McClane.
0: If you're not careful too, like when you're kind of like, you might be focused on like the naked man because you're like, what the world is this guy? Well, okay. The first time I saw it, like as a kid, I'm like, what the hell? But anyhow, but you might not even notice that that's him on the TV. Like when he sees himself, like you might not even realize
1: he's the, like a general guy. Well, once he gets dressed, him and his crew make their way to the <laughs> yeah. uh, Dulles yeah. International Airport, and amongst his crew there are a couple familiar faces, including uh, Robert Patrick and John yep. Leguizamo. Yep, um, and they're going there to uh, to to hatch their plan to uh, get General Esperanzo Franco Nero uh, out of custody.
2: Yeah, there's a totally rad scene where they're walking down the hallway, and you know they're all their watches they're synchronized or what have you, and uh, the colonel is walking, you know, he's like the first one walking down the hallway and then every like five seconds, more guys just come out, pour out of these, these side hallways. And, uh, it, it looks like a very militarized, uh, group of guys walking. they all have like, you know, trim haircuts. And, uh, I mean, you couldn't be any more conspicuous.
1: <laughs> right. And that's probably why when they get to the airport, uh, John McClane, who actually bumps into Stewart, uh, he starts uh, seeing these guys, and uh, his uh, Spidey senses start tingling.
0: Oh yeah, he, um, he he takes over, and I think he sees uh, uh, Von Day Curtis Hall, one one of the other um, famous faces, and another fella, kind of talking. And um, John McClane has uh, better Spidey senses than Spider Man himself, so um, he knows something's up, and he kind of follows them. and And not what fifteen minutes into this movie, we uh, I think thirteen minutes in. Into Die Hard Two, we have like our first shootout, which is kind of crazy for a Die Hard movie. I mean, just so so soon. I mean, this the the action comes
1: quick in Die Hard Two,
2: and it's great. Is is those two things exist and the poster? What does it say on the poster?
1: Die Harder,
2: Die Harder. Like it does. Like everybody, there's more death. There's more destruction. There's more shootouts. There's more everything. It's
0: got the, it's got the most death from any of the Die Hard movies. We have the highest kill count in Die Hard 2.
1: Oh, very interesting.
0: I, what I did is I watched all four and I counted every dead person.
2: Wow. So, yeah. I thought yeah. maybe one of your Finnish buddies told you.
0: Well, actually, yeah, one of my Finnish buddies did tell me that. So,
1: And the lies just keep rolling. All right, uh, let's talk about one of my favorite characters in Die Hard 2. It is Carmine Lorenzo. He is the uh, chief cop of the airport, played by Dennis Franz, who was born absolutely born <laughs> to play a cop. I mean, it's, I mean, he's perfect as it. He is completely believable and he's a great foil for John McClane. And I just, their interaction throughout the film is one of the, the most entertaining parts of it.
2: Yeah. If you had like a picture next to typecast in the dictionary, it would probably be Dennis friends as like a cop, like in a uniform, because you can't even see his face as an actor and not think about, uh, for me, a New York cop, but you know, I guess it works for D.C. too because it's in the same coast. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's perfect because, one, he screams nonstop. Uh, two, he never agrees with John McClane with the way he does things or the things that he does. And, and three, he's wrong constantly.
1: Right, but still has that confidence the whole time.
2: Yeah. Even though he's oh,
1: been proven right. wrong time and time again. No, he's still – I mean, he's very sure of himself.
2: And he gets put in his place all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Dennis Franz, I mean, like you said, I mean, uh, the reason why he was born to play a cop is because he's played a cop so many times before, you know, he was, uh, he was on Hill street blues forever had about 50 episodes of Hill street blues. He actually is really cool. Like in uh, the Gene Hackman movie, the, the package, I don't know if Chad or Chris, you've ever seen the package or not, but he plays a really cool cop in that. And kind of like a sidekick, a kind of like a helper to Hackman throughout the film. And then of course, after Die Hard two, he gets to show his butt on national television when NYPD Blue.
1: I was waiting for it.
0: When when NYPD look when NYPD Blue first came on, because you know I live in the uh, the, the the deep south, uh, you could say the Bible Belt, whatever. We did not even get the first couple episodes, like my TV channel, because they thought like that was the devil, like Dennis Franz's ass was 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 the devil. Satan. Was Satan? Like, so I can remember when they finally showed it. Like they showed it. Like they didn't show it. Like when it come on. Showed TV. what
1: his ass or the show? Well,
0: when they finally showed the well, both when when they showed the show, it didn't come on like at its normal time. Like they let it come on at like one o'clock in the morning. So I made sure to stay up to watch it because I think they also used to show a side boob or two. I mean, I can't quite remember, but they did show Dennis in the shower a lot.
1: Yeah, here here's a question for you, RTG. Sure. Whose ass did you like better, William Sadler or Dennis Franz? I'm going to go Dennis Dennis, just because, oh. you know, Dennis is not the
0: uh, your prototypical I'm going to show my ass on network to, or, or, or ever. So so for him to be as confident in himself, you know, to go out on national television and show your ass, literally show, show your ass, I'm going to go with Dennis.
2: This is a real discussion we're having, by the way.
0: Yeah, we're – yeah, we've already talked about Naked Tai Chi, um, Dennis Franz's ass. Uh,
1: yeah, we are yeah, really... This one has been off the rails uh, <laughs> since the, the word go. All right, well, John McClane uh, then gets fingerprints off the corpse, the guy that he shot, um, since he's not getting any cooperation from Carmine. He faxes them to his Twinkie-loving friend, Al Powell, who has a brief little cameo, Reginaldville Johnson from the first Die Hard The story here is, you know, he was doing the uh, Family Matters show and he could not uh, get away for long to be a part of this. And probably would also have been a little difficult to figure out why both of them were in Washington, D.C. But
0: he could have been there for a Twinkie convention. So
1: the fingerprints come back. They find out the guy was, you know, some sort of government operative type guy who died two years earlier. So that's, you know, another red flag for John McClane. Meanwhile we are introduced to two other characters who were in the original Die Hard. We've got Holly McClane, uh, Bonnie Bedelia, and Dick Thornburg, William Atherton himself, who the man may as well just change his name to William Asselton. Because yeah. he is the ultimate asshole. Uh, they're back, uh, and they're actually on the same plane, funny as that is, heading to Washington, D.C.
0: I mean, what's the uh, chances that they're both on the same plane? I mean, that's just... Uh that is just like hey we need to get these two people back for for the sequel and we don't really need them to do much but we want to have them in our movie the, but the one thing i do want to see from Assholter asshole turn turn was his um exposé on bimbos in the sky that would have been really cool yeah. to watch.
2: that is your style like yes yes uh, when yeah. when
0: she when she said when the stewardess when the very nice lady stewardess said uh, about the bimbos in Flight the sky, attendant Oh, excuse me. When the flight attendant said about said about bimbos in the sky, I was like, "Wow!" I, I kind of like had one of those uh, had to you know just smile and chuckle because that's kind of like something I'd probably you know write about or talk about. So,
2: you know, what's funny is like Holly McLean. So she's she's a strong female character throughout the whole series, I think. And in this in this movie, she doesn't have much to do. Like she's stuck on this plane. So they're like trying to find things for her to do where she's like sitting next to this old lady. Uh, So she's like getting information pumped into her through various random ways. There's like a a random radio that somehow got picked up. Then there's like the the news and then she's sitting across the the plane from, from Atherton. So like they have to kind of find ways to give her information. So eventually she can do her little tasing. Crazy. Yeah. And
0: and she's also sitting next to a savage, a savage old lady who has who has the tasers, who somehow got that through um security. I guess this is pre nine eleven, so I guess you 90s, know, sneak, sneak sneak stuff. And also if you look, she's looking at the old lady's looking at a uh like a newspaper or a magazine, and there's actually like a lethal weapon or lethal weapon two ad there.
2: Right, for- I saw that.
0: Well, they've also made it made a big deal about it being 1990 and about all this new like technology because yeah. um, just make they were they were really hyping the fact that it was the 90s and it was probably filmed still in the 80s. But well,
2: I think you have, you have to do that because then your hero is you know that you talk about technology. Oh, it's great. It, it's helping us do all these things. But your hero is the guy who always succeeds when the power goes out. You know what I mean? Like, yep, he yep. uses good old police his his senses right he just like i got a bad feeling about this guy or whatever and then he follows a hunch and then he figures things out so he doesn't need like gizmos to help him do anything Now he'll use them occasionally but yeah it's like they talk about technology and the one time his pager goes off and he almost gets killed because of it so
0: yeah and and you have to laugh because you know it's it's a pager and and those things are not really used anymore
1: well we know that there's a shit storm coming with uh colonel stewart and and his plans but now on top of that there is a giant snowstorm or two coming their way as well um and here is where we kind of get to meet some of the other people at the airport there's trudeau played by fred dalton thompson and the chief engineer barnes played by art evans and uh fred dalton thompson always very good when these these like authoritarian type roles
2: he has a way about him like he just has a look like he's in charge he has, he has like that George Washington look. You know, they say like, why was Washington put in charge? Because he was the tallest guy in the room. Like that's how Fred Dalton Thompson is. Like he just looks like he should be in charge. Art Evans was like, to me, he was like the the MVP of the movie because he comes up with great ideas constantly. He's not afraid to get out there in the shit too. You know what I mean?
1: Definitely an unsung hero on this movie for sure. And
0: about uh Senator Fred Thompson... You know he's definitely a, a law and order guy. I mean, I think he actually he was on the show Law and Order. But I mean, Fred Thompson just uh, commanded like respect, and he always carried himself in a way that was pretty admirable. I've, I've, I, I, he's. I mean, he was never like the star of a movie, but he was like a just a damn good actor. I mean, he really like everything he was ever in. I mean, he he gave it his all, especially in 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 these '90s films that we get.
1: He, he definitely added to whatever he was in and. We see uh, McLean trying to you know, tell Trudeau what he thinks is going to happen, or at least that he knows something bad is going to happen. And almost uh, on cue, the runway lights go off, they lose communication, they can't talk to the planes, and they get the call from Colonel Stewart, who gives his demands, uh, primary, which is a fully-fueled 747 that they could take old General Esperanza out on once he lands.
2: I would like to... I'm curious as to if things like this have ever actually worked. You know, you think about like you see a uh, bank robberies in movies and you're just thinking to yourself like, why these never work? Like nobody ever gets away with like millions of dollars from a bank robbery or for a casino robbery or whatever. But a lot of people do get, get away with bank robberies. It's just usually not very much money. So has anyone ever had some sort of hostage situation or, or whatever takeover? And demanded a plane or a helicopter, and actually gotten it and gotten away.
0: What about DB Cooper and the money that he took? Does that count? Well,
2: let's not. He didn't get away.
0: He jumped out. Well, didn't he jump out? He, he jumped, jumped out.
2: out. We don't. We don't know where he landed.
0: Well, there was some. Um, remember Delta Force? Uh, that movie was based on like one of those like TWA hijackings. Yes. Uh, where the, so I think you could look at something like that they might have got away with it maybe because i don't think chuck norris came to save that day with that hijacking i i just i, I can't quite remember but I, I mean i highly i mean i mean i highly doubt that ever like i need to like even like um I'm, I'm going back in time to al pacino and dog day afternoon have you guys ever seen that absolutely and what what does he want what he like he has some like crazy demand like to get you know, to, to to get out of town, or you wanted a chopper, or he wanted something. I can't quite remember what he wanted. I believe it was a, a bus to the airport. A bus, a bus to the airport. There you go. Thank you, Brain. Yeah, it never, it's never going to work. Uh, if if if, if you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast, and you've ever committed like a serious crime, yes, and, and you got away with it, you know why don't you send us some stuff and tell you know email or Twitter comment or Instagram comment and tell us how you got away with it. And we will share it with our millions of viewers and listeners.
1: Yeah, why don't you give your uh, Twitter address out right now, Todd? Okay, it's uh, it's real Todd Gaines. There you go. Yeah, criminals, you can reach out to Todd Gaines. <laughs> Please
2: leave me alone.
1: Thank
0: you.
2: Hit <laughs> him on his pager.
0: Yeah, you could you could hit RTG um, at on my pager. It's um,
1: five five five. Fuck yep. you. Whoa. <laughs> oh, yes all right well then we have a very meta moment in the movie where john mcclain himself says how can the same oh, shit happen the same guy twice a classic line and you know obviously everybody has got to be thinking that as they're watching the uh things unfold and that's about the time he meets marvin the janitor and marvin uh much like barnes kind of becomes one of his allies uh as he's trying anything and everything these desperate acts to to stop colonel stewart yeah, I
2: think there needs to be like a you know the the reporter at the end of the film who kind of uh, becomes friends with McLean. There, she needs to do an expose on Marvin and like his knowledge of that airport because that dude has like every inch of that place memorized, or at least you know he's got to like uh, I mean grab this blueprint that's shoved in this nook and cranny here. He ends up being like the saving grace.
0: But well, between um, between him and um. And Art Evans, I mean, you wouldn't think like just by looking at those guys that, hey, these guys are going to be the two that really help John save the day. I mean, if you were just just to judge them just from your first glance, but they end up being just like you said earlier, Chad, like almost like the the heroes besides John McClane, of course, the heroes of Die Hard.
2: If only we can go back and replace Jai Courtney with Marvin the janitor. That's all I'm saying.
0: Man, there, there's. I, I was reading some hate on Jai Courtney recently, and, and he's the worst. He's, he's not that. He's not that bad. He's. But bad. I did not like that Die Hard film. But I don't even count it as a Die Hard film. But he is not as bad. Watch Spartacus. He's good in Spartacus.
2: Did you see him in Terminator?
0: No, I don't think i watched that. I don't think so.
2: He is the drizzling shits. Trust me.
1: Well.
0: He might be Australian, so that might explain it.
1: All right, I don't know what that means, but the difference of opinion here uh, between RTG and Chad, but we are going to move on because Barnes comes up with an idea to potentially come up with an alternate way to communicate to the planes, but Stuart warned warned him when he called in, don't try anything. They tried something, and what happens is a plane from the UK is brought down in a disastrous fashion. It is one of the,
0: it's probably the most dramatic scene in the film at least to me like the 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 act the intense drama with poor calm met medney or however you say it so once once you saw him and you're like okay I, I recognize this pilot they're probably fucked and the way Sadler fakes his little accent like he does the uh, southern say hey, good buddy we're gonna
1: land you down I like how RPG just went into a more Southern accent than
2: that. He actually went natural right there.
1: Back to what I was saying with John trying
0: to uh, prevent this, uh, this crash from happening. And it's definitely a scene that's just very dramatic. and, And it shows that Sadler is not fucking around either.
1: Right. Well, you have all these innocent lives. I mean, they're just, you know,
0: yeah, 200 people. And I love how the camera, how Rennie just like kind of pans the camera and you see everybody in the, in the plane. And you see like the old lady and she's like, eh, you know, it's like you could tell she had a bad feeling about this. And that sucker just goes down and, you know, oh, you still got time. You, you got enough feet. Come on, buddy. Come on down. Come on down. And and it it comes down all right. And it blows sky high. And it kind of puts John into it because, first of all, he doesn't I don't think he knows that. I mean, that could have been his wife's playing. So. Right. that's that's his first thought is oh my god did my wife just get blown up but then at i mean but then either way he's just emotionally devastated from seeing those loss of innocent lives and that's something about john mcclain is like he's always going to be somebody that's going to help the innocent like if you're innocent john mcclain is going to have your back
2: yeah and he got a similar scene in the first Die Hard when when they killed the the guy over the radio whatever and he gets to, Hans, you, you know, you son of a bitch, like whatever. He's screaming at him, but it's not, you know, two hundred people. Right. So, and he makes the attempt. Of course, he runs out there, and he almost gets run over, or whatever. He run, that was a different one. He runs out here when he's got the, the torches. He's right. fling them in the air and stuff, trying to get the plane to see him. But I mean, it, it's a great scene because it gives McLean a different way to act. It's not just like, you know, he's not a wrecking ball. He's not like straightforward you know just like barreling through bad guy after bad guy he actually gets to do a little acting there so it's pretty good this is definitely
0: like peak bruce willis too i mean this is bruce willis prime and color no well that's when it kind of we we i mean this is like the first prime <laughs> bruce willis you go die hard die hard to last boy scout i mean one two three
2: i think john McClain it's like he's like the american james bond so instead of, like, this smooth and suave, he, he has tons of charisma, obviously, but he's, like, the whole movie, there are, like, women hitting on him. You know what I mean? Like, he's got to, like, tell them, like, yeah, I'm married. Sorry.
0: Well, speaking of charisma, he has that just, just the facts, ma'am, when that girl wants to, like, take him home and fuck him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and he gives her the, ah, uh, uh, just, just the facts, ma'am. He yeah. shows off his ring and, I mean, kind of like the, uh, the play from Dragnet from just the facts, ma'am. He says, uh, just the facts and, and you could just look in, in her eyes. Like, like she had those, um, those savage eyes. Like she wanted McLean, like, you <laughs> know, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'll, I'll stop now, but, but wasn't that,
2: yourself. wasn't that an Andy Sedaris movie? Savage uh, eyes.
0: Uh, it, it was an alternate title to return to Savage Beach.
2: Okay. Now see, to me, it's like John McLean is like the stone cold Steve Austin of action characters because He doesn't care. Like he doesn't give a shit. Like he's going to do the right thing no matter what. And he goes through people and he flips you off and like, I take, you know, Oh, you don't want my help. Take this badge and shove it. Like, but at the same time, he does the right thing.
1: Uh, You know, Chad, you did bring up a great point though, there about the, the James Bond thing. And I never thought about that. And you, you think about how many movies tried to make somebody the American version of James Bond, like Remo Williams. And, yeah, and it just failed. But I don't know that that's what they were going for with John right. McLean. But, but yeah, you, you bring up a great point And that this is why you're the co-host of the Bulletproof podcast. Chad. Thank, I you. Mean, that's Thank a, you. That's an excellent point.
2: Mark the t- timestamp this when he said that. Who knows how to do that? <laughs> brain brain timestamp that.
1: I've timestamped it so I could delete it. All right. Now what we've got going on is uh, John Amos shows up. RTG.
0: Uh, John John Amos in this movie. I mean, did anybody think that when the first time you watched it, that he was a good guy?
2: What are you trying to say? You're trying to say the military are all bad guys?
0: No, I mean it's just wasn't it. Was it obvious to you that something was up with 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 his character? I would say the first time, no. And you know, yeah, yeah, I I, I believe this the the, the same thing because. What was cool about the first time I ever saw Die Hard 2 was I didn't see it in the theater because I just wasn't quite there to go to R-rated movies yet. It was like the next year I used, I started going to a lot of R-rated movies. But I rented it from a video store along with um, House Party with Kid and Play and uh, Lord of the Flies, the the remake of Lord of the Flies, and this movie, Die Hard 2. Thinking back to this, my first viewing of Die Hard 2, I might have possibly saw watched uh, Die Hard 2 before I even watched die hard
2: now let me ask you a question What's knowing up? that yes were you let down that die hard 2 there were they died harder than the original die hard
0: no well okay when I don't really die wanna, less. Like, well well I don't really want to like do like comparison because I mean die hards just like when I when I can remember first watching it because we have to me in the original die hard we have a lot more memorable supporting players. Not like, I mean, I mean, of course, like Hans Gruber, you could argue is the greatest villain of all time for any film. And of course, like the kind of the big three bad guys in this in this film are, are, are cool. But like even like like John Lucas, in on this. He has like one line because they realized he was too short. So they cut a lot of his uh, his dialogue out. Robert Patrick, like he gets I mean, Robert Patrick's cool as hell. He but he might have one word or dialogue. And he gets killed quick. And you're like, how did he get that role of Terminator? Just because he hadn't been in a lot of stuff. And there's another guy, another henchman who was in um, Men uh, Men of War. He was one of the uh, Dolph Lundgren's buddies. He's kind of uh, another of the familiar faces. And then Vande, Curtis Hall. But I mean, these guys, they don't, to me, the villains in the first one are like the supporting are superior. But but we have I mean we have a great trio of bad I mean it, it took three I mean you had you had to bring three you know main bad guys to kind of equal your one bad guy and Die Hard one
2: yeah and you know they did up up the ante uh, not only in the action and like the amount of bad guys they brought in but also a twist you know with you have Major Grant comes in and if you didn't notice it right away. I don't remember if I did or not. I probably didn't the first time I saw it. But like shortly after you start figuring out like, okay, this guy is, it's not all on the up and up right. here. And they're putting like different magazines in their rifles and you're like, okay, yep. something's yep. going on here. So you, you pretty quickly understand that it's not going the way it's supposed to go. But John Amos, like, dude, I don't know what it is about John Amos. Like, I feel like if you put him in like a scared straight program, success rate would be a hundred percent. Not because he'd scare people, but he's just like so respect, like respectable.
0: He could tell you to do something and you'd be like, yes, sir. And just do it. And he's such a, a versatile um, actor. Almost he almost has the versatility of Gene Hackman. Close. Yeah, cl- close. But I mean, you know, he can play you know, the humor. He can play the action. And he, he's always like a commanding performance, just
1: like almost like with Fred Thompson. I mean, just the way he, he carried himself around.
0: And I I salute
1: him. So General Esperanza ends up landing the plane himself because he takes out all the soldiers that were transported. And who who knew he could fly a plane? So luckily he could fly a plane.
2: Franco Nero can do anything.
1: Well, General Esperanza is greeted by our hero, John McClane, as uh, John McClane just punches him right in the face. Yeah, he gets the
2: Will Smith greeting from Independence Day. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Earth.
1: He got knocked the fuck out, yo. So this obviously throws a, a monkey wrench in the plans because... Who could have guessed you would have had this crazy cop from LA sabotaging uh, Stewart's grand plan I mean, with Espionage? How, how's the same guy in the same place twice? Right? I mean, it's 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 it's
0: insane that the luck or the bad luck that John McClane has that he just happens to be at the airport on that day when all hell's supposed to break loose.
2: Yeah. See, this is these are the kinds of scenes where John McClane needed to be James Bond because James Bond would have had like a cool gadget. Like a, he would have had like a jet pack to get out of there or like a, a laser that cut up a, a hole in the wall or something. But John McLean has to find an American way of doing it, which is, you know, brick shit. Like, you know, like, all right, tear it down and, and we'll build it later. We'll figure it out later. So his, his idea is after about 27 grenades get tossed into the cockpit, uh, that last 45 seconds before they blow up, you know, he jumps on the, uh, the pilot's chair and, and ejects 200 feet into the sky
0: I absolutely love that scene, too, when he when he does hit the eject. I mean, the way that's filmed. I mean, that that scene right there is another of the, the highlights of Die Hard 2 as, as far as filmmaking. Rennie Harlan's eye or the way the way that film, that shot was even though those grenades. uh, How Chris, how long? Did you say a grenade could last before it would go off? I don't think I said anything about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure those grenades, I'm, I'm sure he had just seconds, seconds left because those grenades were on the ground for a good while. So
2: You could have listened to Stairway to Heaven, the amount of time the pins were th- pulled. And you
0: could have listened to a live version of uh, Freebird.
2: Now, here's a question. Uh, Brain, you probably have knowledge of planes of this size. Would a plane this size have chairs that eject?
1: I, I would not think so. Uh, I don't think my father thought so when he saw the scene. I mean, he, uh,
2: he poo-pooed
1: on it for sure. Uh, and...
2: That, that to me was the most ridiculous thing. Cause it was like, okay, yeah, these grenades. I mean, I I've only thrown a grenade in like training. I've never thrown one in real life and I know they don't take 30 seconds to go off, <laughs> but I was more confused by the idea that these, these large passenger, it wasn't, it was more of like a transport plane would have a a seat that ejected.
1: I mean, I guess if it's a it was a military plane, so maybe, you know, in case
2: eh.
0: Where do you think they got the plane from because you know they, they they were a Spanish um country, right? They probably spoke Spanish, but it said eject, so I guess in Spanish eject is eject as well.
2: Well, if it, if they if it was like a C130 sold to them by the American military, then maybe they maybe they left the uh the writing on the little tag that was already on them. They maybe they left it on there
1: miraculously, John McClane survives doing the ejection seat with the parachute gimmick. And from there, he and Barnes figure out that Stewart and his team have to be around the airport somewhere, somewhere nearby. And they find him in this old church. And that's where Stewart had set up his command center. Um, so they make their way there. Grant and his team follow. And then here's like a this was like a real un expected thing you know especially when you think about the first diehard we get a snowmobile scene
2: <laughs> yeah it was almost like they had a budget and they're like uh, we got to spend it you know you can't take it with you right i could see like rennie Harlan saying that and then elbowing his friend
0: well i think what he said was hey in ford fairlane we uh couldn't use a snowmobile so let's use a snowmobile for the for diehard too
2: well even the whole the whole like church thing like i don't know there's a lot of effort in putting like these guys get in this church and like they put together this command center and they're in it and they set explosives and it's like all kinds of shit happening in it. And then there's not really much of a payoff. You know, they try, there's like the, the whole twist with major grant, but it's not really a twist. Cause you see it coming a, a mile away. The only twist is that John McClane's still alive, you know, to throw another wrench in it. So, um, and it leads to another chase scene and more shootouts and, and this and that, but, but most of them are, it's, he's almost like Wally e. Coyote. You know what I mean? It's like, john mcclain chasing somebody and getting the crap beat out of them in various ways or getting blown up or getting ejected from a plane or getting thrown down a flight of stairs or being having his limbs chopped off whatever like there's just things happening to him all the time he's just beat up and he just like crawls his way back to the janitor <laughs> and uh in various you know w- disarray like
0: <laughs> i think like too like the whole point of that scene is setting up that um, John Amos is a really a heel. And then when he goes back to the station and he runs into Dennis Franz and it, the the famous scene when he just takes out the weapon and like shoots, yeah, Dennis Franz pretty much shits his pants as he as he's shooting the blanks at him. So it kind of sets up everything. It kind of also turns uh, Dennis into a uh, on John's side.
1: They finally get on the same page. And uh, just when that's happened, just when you think it can't get any worse, that no good Dick Thornburg. Catches wind of what's going on because his uh, tech guy is able to patch into the uh, radio on the, the plane. So he's hearing all that's going on down on the ground below. And uh, he decides he's going to call the station, his new station and start spouting this off, which causes a major panic at the airport. Yeah. People just flooding out of there. So you, you already have a snowstorm terrorist. And now we have a panicking crowd.
2: Yeah. If you, if you didn't already trust the media, this selfish prick, Dick Thornburg, gives us another reason not to trust them because he's you know talking about his Pulitzer and this and that, and he's like calling in and he's patting himself on the back, doing the Barry Horowitz while he's talking on the phone, and we see the cutscenes of like the airport just being a complete chaotic mess. So yeah, I mean, it, I don't know if they're trying to make a statement on the dissemination of information in an, in a situation like this, but that's what I heard.
1: Well, and they may have been because then right at, after that the friendly news lady helps John. Mc, so maybe they were trying to go for some balance there. Like, okay, yeah, some of these people could be real pieces of garbage, but some of them are, are helpful as well. Because without the uh, news lady and her in her chopper, we wouldn't have the big finale that we got.
2: Right, and she was like, "As long as you give me the story, whatever, you know, whatever, I'll do whatever to you." Or whatever she said. <laughs> I'll have your kids. I think Whoa. she said, I'll have your kids. And then in the end, she had kind of an opportunity to get some cool shots there. And she chose not to out of respect. So yeah, she definitely had a good, good look at the end.
0: So I guess the moral is not everyone from the media is a complete piece of shit. Just most so,
2: of them.
1: Just most of them. That is what Die Hard 2 taught us. If, if it taught us anything, it was that. Um, so yeah, we, we get McLean. He's dropped off on the wing of the plane. He shoves a jacket in there. So that whatever, what are those flap gimmicks? They don't work like they're supposed to, which you need them to work if you want to lift off. And uh, so then they're like, okay, well, we'll take care of them. They can't use guns because the fuel is in the wing. So John Amos goes out there. He's going to kick some ass or so he thinks. And what a spectacular death for major Grant. If you're going to go
0: out go out like that, man. I mean, <laughs> go out of uh, fan blazing, of uh, engine blazing, or whatever. I mean, he, he he didn't die. He died hard. No, no, he didn't die hard. He died harder.
2: It turned into applesauce.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I think that uh, I remember the scene where Franco Nero is like, oh, no, our wing flap gimmick thingy. It's one of my favorite scenes.
1: It is. It's a good scene. And uh, my favorite scene in it is then once they, they think, you know, once Stewart gets back in the plane – He's knocked McLean off the plane, doesn't realize McLean pulled the little fuel gimmick, another technical term. So you got the, the fuel just running out as the plane is going up the runway. The scene I love most is just that where the all the bad guys are kind of just lean back, relaxing. Oh, yeah. They think they've Smoking got the
0: cigars, way. not giving a fuck. Yeah,
1: yeah smoke. They're, they're just, they think, oh, they got this. We pulled it off. And then next thing you know, the wing blows up, and a huge fireball takes out all those mofos, and – it, it's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty. And then uh, the, the fire that they created on the runway then acts as the lights needed for all the planes that have been stuck in the sky to come down and land safely. We have no more casualties. A great ending. The Christmas music comes up. The The McLeans are reunited. It's, it's a great movie. And, and great what's finish. awesome about it is we
0: get when he does yippee motherfucker. It is so like on point. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not just it's not just said because it's a uh, like his his line. I mean, it is like the perfect time in Die Hard two to say "yippee ki motherfucker."
2: Now, I wish here's here's my one wish for the for this finale, and that would be that when Colonel Stewart came out to the wing, he also had maybe like a cigarette in his mouth or something and you know before he was like you know i I guess i'm the main event or whatever he said and you know john mcclain stands up and he's all you know he's all beat to shit he's bloody and he's like get another one of those cigarettes you know and and he gives him a cigarette before he starts trying to kill him and then at the end when john mcclain's on the ground he pulls that cigarette and he lights it and he's like "Ah, i should have quit these years ago and then he then he flicks the cigarette at the fuel and they had already they had already kind of figured out the whole system at that point, right? Like they already kind of learned how to get around the Stuart, like controlling the planes radios.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep.
2: Isn't that correct? So once they flew away, they could have landed all those planes anyways, if it, as long as they could have marked the runway. So they could have just been like a uh, uh, fighter jet, go blow them out of the sky.
1: What are you ruining this now?
2: <laughs> what if this, one of the grenades <laughs> still hadn't gone off.
1: And then it goes off when the pole. He,
2: he picks it up off the ground, flings it into the plane, and it blows up.
1: I, I think they went with the right ending, um, and your your alternate endings suck. <laughs> All right, so bravo to Die Hard Two! Happy thirtieth anniversary! I was thrilled to to rewatch this for the first time in a while. I forgot, you know how good it is. Again, a, a, a perfect sequel. Um, you're not going to get much better than this.
0: And there's definitely like a, a, a debate between what's the better sequel, Die Hard two or Die Hard three, but um, that's for another episode and, and, a, and another day. But at least here's a series that at least has three good films.
2: Yeah, I think I mean Die Hard two has a crazy pace. It's just nonstop. Every scene seems like frenetic, you know and I mean like oh, you know John is not going to die, but everyone else might die. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it does. It lives up to its Die Harder tagline.
1: All right, well let's go into our special trivia portion of the show before we say goodbye. Now, Chad Cruz, you have been on quite the losing streak. Uh, you are and yes. three. Uh, so let's see if this will be the one that, that turns it around or if this losing streak will just continue. Now, since you have been losing so much, I will give you the option of either starting or if you want me to have, you know what? I'll so go ahead and start. Okay. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to be doing. It is the return of tagline yeah, okay. trivia. And these are all movies that borrowed the Die Hard formula. Okay, Chad, this one is for you. Terrorists have taken over Regis Academy, and they're about to receive a lesson they'll never forget.
2: Is this uh, Toy Soldiers?
1: That is correct. Off to a good start. RTG, your first one. Action goes into overtime. Action goes into overtime? That's right.
0: Okay. Oh, Sudden Death.
1: That is correct. Chad, here's one. That's so vaguely can't generic. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Terror has no limits.
2: Uh, terror has no limits. Hmm. I'm going to say speed.
1: No, sir. RTG? Terminal velocity? Albert Pune's Flat. What, <laughs> what the fuck did you even put that in there for? Come on, man. I've never even heard of that movie. Which is Die, which is die Hard at an Olympic
0: swimming pool. Obviously. If, if somebody would have got that, their motherfucker would have been cheating. Ain't no way no way I got that right.
2: Albert Pune didn't know that one.
0: Albert Pune don't even know he made that one.
2: Come on. <laughs>
1: all right, RTG. Here's one for you. <laughs> oh shit. It will start like any other day. That's all?
2: B- blown away?
1: No sir. Chad it's Cruz, can you steal speed. it? Speed. No, it's not speed. It was White House Down.
2: What a terrible movie. It'll start wait, wait, wait. Let me just dissect that real quick. It'll start like any other day, you mean when the main character goes to the White House for like the first time with his daughter. So it's not like any other day. I'm just saying. Another reason that movie sucks.
1: We're not here for commentary on that. All right, here's here's your next one, Chad. Last time he rocked the boat. This time, the sky's the limit.
2: Uh Under Siege 2.
1: Duh. That okay.
2: is correct. But sky where he's on the train. Yeah, he's
1: on train, but I mean they just say yeah, yeah. An elite team of... This one's a long one. This one's got a lot for you, so so okay. listen. Okay. Pay attention. An elite team of mercenaries has taken over a chemical plant. Only one man can stop them. Um, on deadly ground. No, sir.
2: Is this Chain Reaction?
1: It is not. It is Open Fire starring Jeff mm. Wicott. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. So close. This shit's rigged. Back
2: to you, Jeff. Right.
1: When our flag falls, our nation will rise.
2: Olympus has fallen. Correct. Yeah
1: rtg here's Trouble. one for you it's yeah. not a job it's an adventure um it's not a job it's an adventure mm-hmm. a skyscraper nope chad cruz
2: oh boy that was that wasn't that the army tagline there for a few years um is that uh <laughs> let's see diehard concept and it's not a job it's an adventure let's see uh what was that uh Virtual assassin.
1: <laughs> no. Fuck. It, was actually, it was actually under siege. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. Really? I think it may have been a Navy thing, which would oh, make sense shit. if they used it for Under that, okay.
2: that,
0: that Siege. Was, that was the tagline. I, I get, God, shit. I thought it was stripper Miss July jumps out of a cape.
2: That's pretty close.
1: Okay. That's, who's our, the highest? It looks yeah. like, well, we'll yeah. see. You could, t- you could potentially tie it up here. Okay. And I don't have a tiebreaker, so we'll see what happens. All right, <laughs> this one is RTG's eighty-six floors of action-packed terror skyscraper baby. You got it. Woo! All right, Chad Cruz. Or no, that was actually Chad Cruz. I think I just screwed it up. Oh, That's right.
2: all right. Don't worry about it.
1: Chad Woo. Cruz. I was so excited that Chad's actually winning.
2: I had a lead there for a minute. Yeah. That
1: that I that I went out off kilter. So here's one for you, Chad Cruz. Okay. The richest city in the world, shut down, ripped off, blown up.
2: Is that, uh, Dire with the Vengeance?
1: No. Mm. RTG? Uh, The richest city in the world. Shut down, ripped off, blown up. Uh... Inside Man? (laughs) (laughs) It was the taking of Beverly Hills. Oh, shit. Uh. What has happened here is Chad Cruz has broken the streak. Yes. Uh, Three to two. Whew, oh, man. Chad Cruz, the, the, the monkey is off your back.
2: Yeah. All right. I've got a speech I'd like to. Let me just okay. get it out here. Super long. How many more minutes do we have?
1: We have all the time in the world.
2: <laughs> I'll just save it. We'll do it as a special edition cut or something.
1: So there we go. Chad Cruz has broken the streak. I want to wrap things up by telling you, of course, to go visit BulletproofAction.com. Something new on there each and every day. And if you're enjoying this podcast, let your friends know that you think may enjoy it as well. Because, uh, you know, word of mouth is the best way uh, to get more listeners here on the uh, Bulletproof Podcast bandwagon. And RTG, you got anything you want to plug? Yeah, I guess I'll I plug all my socials, man. You
0: know, you can follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, still, I'm still on Letterbox a little bit uh letterboxy just search me Ty gaines uh twitter real Ty gaines uh, for all those criminals out there that want to tell me their secrets uh you got Ty gaines talks instagram i still have my youtube account i haven't really used it in a while but you can watch some stuff i did on there i think you can search it as Ty gaines talks um in the future we're working on just more uh screeners to bring you guys so these action movies that are direct to video we are trying to get them a little earlier so we can get them watched for you to let you know if you want if you should be watching them so we watch the, the shit so you don't have to
2: no that's a good tagline uh, we watch the shit so you don't have to
1: all right ladies and gentlemen that does it for this edition of the bulletproof podcast i want to thank chad cruz and todd gaines and as always stay tuned for more of the bulletproof podcast